Welcome to Casual Swinger. If you're under 18, the following podcast is not appropriate for you. The subjects and language are for mature audiences only. If you're not mature in nature, just make sure you're old enough to vote. We don't take ourselves seriously, ever. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any opinions or statements made on this podcast, our website, or our blog. It's all in fun, folks. This isn't Dr. Phil. Now, consider yourself the listener properly advised. Welcome back to Casual Swinger. I'm Mallory. And I'm Mickey. And we have the third installment of History of Hedonism 2. A living history of hedonism, too. I know. <laughs> right? Everybody here's alive. Nobody's dead. We're not talking about any dead people, just happy living people. Fair enough. Fair enough. But speaking of living, um, we're kind of lucky you are after oh the Hedo crud you brought back, right? I don't even know if I can blame it on the Hedo crud. I did a lot of loving um, when we were down in Jamaica. And I mean, Thursday night, it just hit me like a brick wall. And thank God, we had a doctor on the trip. Is there a doctor in the house? Seriously, seriously, it was scary. Yeah, yeah, she was really sick, guys, and it. Uh, so she ended up sitting out uh, a pool party that oh. we emceed, which that was hard for you. Yeah, you wanted me to go back to the room and rest, but there was no way. Yeah. I I did jump up and help with like the champagne. Oh, that's uh, right, you did spray champagne all over the I crowd did. with your giant champagne penis. Yes. So, yeah, but we're not going to get into that too much. We're going to talk uh, about our recap later, but this is all about the swinger in chief. The swinger in chief is, of course, Harry Lang. He's the president and CEO of Hedonism Resorts. So we've got a conversation with him coming up here in a little bit for you guys that I think is really going to knock your socks off. This was a fantastic interview and so much fun to do. Yeah, I feel very fortunate. I mean, obviously, we love Howard, um, his conversations and you know, the interview we did with him was fantastic. And then we got the opportunity to talk to John. We just missed him. Um, he'd left the day we got in. And then to recap this off with Harry is just amazing. Yeah, we chased his ass all over the resort. <laughs> we and did. And he was chasing ass all over the resort. That's right. While he so. was chasing ass, we were chasing his ass. But, uh, you know, we, we finally caught up with him. Obviously, he's in Miami today. So we caught up with him after the fact. But... Yeah, in a lot of ways, uh, I think it's still a, a fantastic interview for everybody. Uh, we did have a couple little cellular snafus, so we, we had to correct a couple things and say, hey, by the way, you know, this is what he meant because yeah. you guys can't hear him. Yeah, it's, it's not perfect, but I think the, co- the conversation is definitely worth a listen. Yeah, and I mean, we got the CEO of Hedo on our show, which is just so badass. It so. is, and I love like the personal information. Like he, he was completely transparent, had no hesitation. We talked about the lifestyle. We talked about how he found Hedo, um, first time he went. It was good stuff. I enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. I think it was it was super fun. And, you know, uh, it even kind of came up uh, when we were talking before the show. You know, we wore a lot of casual swinger swag this we, week. We did. We did. We were testing out some of our um, merchandise. And, you know, obviously we want to make our brand known. And it went over really well. well. Everybody knew where we were because we hung a casual swinger flag in the window. We had perfect like perfect position. We did, but the but one of my favorite things was is that like a come one, come all statement? Mm, come often. Yeah, right. Right. And it was uh so that was hanging in the window, but we had our t shirts in full display. We had beach towels, we had stickers, we had we had so much casual swinger crap that people thought we were a travel group and we're like, No, 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 we host for the rascals, seriously. <laughs> yeah. Uh so I think we overdid it a little bit this trip. We need to wear all rascal stuff next time. But you know, just in case anybody's wondering, you can actually buy casual swinger t shirts. We have them. Uh they're on our website at casualswinger.com under buy stuff. So if you guys check those out and, you know, we got a few funny, funny type things up there and, uh, you know, most of it's pretty much up. I think we make like what, two bucks. <laughs> if that, you know, like, like you said, a lot of it's just funny. Um, I like the Hedo bum stuff that, that shirt you made. Oh yeah. That one got a lot of attention. It got a lot of attention. Yeah. So, you know, we, uh, have a, a Hedo bum logo that we made, which is Hedo bums on my license plates. Uh, my Twitter handle and my personal Twitter handle is the Hedo bum. So that's, you know, yeah. all kinds of that stuff. But, you know, it was pretty cool. We got to hang out with friends, see a few groups. Uh, some of the fluff stayed over. So we saw some of those guys. Yeah. And what's great about this trip is we didn't realize it till we were on our way. It's actually the anniversary of our 
honeymoon. Oh yeah, friend anniversary. Our and our friend anniversary with Jim and Rachel. So a, a few things we got to see people we haven't seen in maybe four years that only go on the February trips, right. like Mel. Like so, Mel. Yeah. yeah. Which it was great to see him and him slaying ass like he always yeah. does. That guy is prolific. So that was pretty cool. But we're going to save some of that for, for our uh, recap coming up. But Yeah, I'll let my voice recoup a little bit before we dive into all things Hedo on I that trip. like your little raspy thing you've got going on. You always do, you dirty motherfucker. Oh, fever pussy too. Mm-hmm. Get out of here. <laughs> so I'm telling uh, you guys, next time your girl gets a fever, jump on it. It's uh, you know, a little bit hotter than usual. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're looking at me like I'm about to get killed, so maybe I'll just move on. Dude. Yeah, it's, it's a great segue. <laughs> We're doing some travel this week. Uh, I think I leave tomorrow for Cali, right? Yes, you leave for Cali, and then you, you get back, and we turn around and leave again for uh, the Midwest for the Rascal's Wedding. Oh, right. Yeah, and then I go back to the Midwest the next week, and then you're gone again to... Like, I don't know, Cincinnati? Yeah, the inner guts of Ohio. But we're going to see the perf. Or at least I'm going to see the perf. So yeah. I'm going to go see Jason and Heather. Yeah, so. I still have to look and see if I can tag along. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. So I'm going to go see some friends up there. But, you know, it's it's crazy. Uh, I mean, oh, well, we got back from Hedo and we're home for 12 hours and I'm off again. But, you know, these things happen. Uh, Hedo was totally worth it. It's always totally worth it. Uh, you know, and we'll get out there and do it again. But, you know, you guys will notice this is different. This is a different cadence for us. They were just different music for these episodes. A little more Jamaican feeling, a little more reggae. I'm over here swaying like I know how to dance. I don't. <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of cute, though. Yeah. I definitely have the diff going, which sounds like an STI, but it's not. It's, you know, the dreaded island fever. Oh, I'm so happy it's that I was thinking I was going to catch it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just missing home. Yeah, and I, it happens, right? You definitely get a little bit of that going on, and you're like, oh, I need to get back, and we need to book another trip. We have so many trips coming up, right? We've got Nin coming up. Yep, in L- July. Lone Star Spanking Party, which we May. still need to tell everybody about our meet and greet. We need to work with Beth on that one. Yeah, so. we're working out the logistics. So we're going to be in Houston area um, towards the middle slash end of May, and we're thinking about hosting a meet and greet with Beth. So more details to come on that. Yeah, so just some intensely cool stuff that we're going to be able to do and so excited to do it. Uh, but these episodes, right, what's different about them? What's special? So these episodes, we did three episodes in a row, A Living History of Hedonism too. The first one was The Ultimate Ambassador. The second one was The Winds of Change. And this one, Swinger in Chief. We interviewed three people, three guys, right? Mm-hmm. The first guy was Howard Herenstein. He's been to the resort hundreds of times over 38 years why do you go? Why do you keep going back? What's changed? Uh, that dude has so much to offer. Really, he could he could write several books. Yeah, he really yeah, could at this and point. And I love I love you know all his stories. Maybe those people don't want to be in those books, but he could write them. <laughs> Doctor Spank. Oh, Doctor Spank! Yeah, we have a pretty cool picture. <laughs> we're gonna post up the return of Doctor Spank. We're gonna hold him to that one. But that was his name back in the day. Was Doctor Spank? And then you know, obviously John with the fluffer nutters. We we talked to him and had a, a really nice long talk with him while we were at Hedo. Uh, even though it was remote. So that was uh, a mess, right? Being able to hear each other and talk over each other was a mess, but I love Yeah, we did the on. best we could. Yeah, and he was so cool to have on because we heard the story of how Hedo got acquired and what happened. Mm-hmm. And then we went a little deeper today with Harry Lang where he talked about the conversation that had started where they were both drunk in the pool <laughs> yeah. and said, we should buy this place. And sure as shit, here we are, just killing it. So uh, let's talk about Harry for a minute, right? Yeah. Yeah, so Harry is a very uh, special animal here. I mean, obviously, he is ultimately the guy that that ended up saving Hedo by purchasing it. He was brought to the table with, you know, John Gross, the guy who who runs the Fluffer Nutters. And, you know, he goes into detail, which you guys will hear later, about, you know, this this resort would not be there today without him. No, it really wouldn't be. And, you know, these... Guys, you know, they're just normal guys who are on vacation and they said, we love this place this much. The people around us love this place this much. We cannot let this happen. And they did a little homework, right? John led the charge. And by leading that charge, he saved the place we call home and probably one of the most notorious resorts on the face of the planet. Yeah. I mean, there's really nothing exactly like Hito. I don't know that you could replicate or duplicate it. 
Well, and I think a lot of people have tried. I think, you know, when we look at, you know, the history of places like Desire or Temptation, uh, they want to be Hedo-esque. They want to provide a competitive experience. And I think they do. I think they've succeeded in a competitive experience, but it lacks the magic. You know, but we can't really say that verbatim because we've never been. No, we're going to fix it. But it's the feedback that we've gotten about the energy and, and the different... You know, everyone's got their own speed. Everyone loves specific things about every resort. Right. You know, Hito is just, well, you know, it, our, our personal home. And look at it this way, right? So remember, we've been to a couple of swinger clubs where we met a couple or a couple of couples that just made it amazing. Mm-hmm. The people we met made it fantastic. And then we hear reviews about that club and they're like, oh, that place sucks. This, that, this, that, this, that. And we're like, wait a minute. We had a great time. Yeah. And it's a build your own thing. adventure, right? And and again, it's all what you make of it. Yeah, and not and every experience is going to be great, but this place is definitely magical. Yeah. And yeah, I think, you know, you, you have a pretty good point there that it just depends, you know, on who you meet and the people you get in with and you find your tribe and wham. There, you're off to the races. Yeah, you're off to the races. So let's talk a, a little bit more about Harry. So what is he, right? If you see Harry, if you happen to go to Hito and they're like, oh, that's Harry and they point at him. Go say hi. Yeah, he's he's totally personal. He's down to earth. Uh, he'll have a conversation with anyone. He may have a schedule to keep, so if he doesn't talk very long. Yeah, and if, you know, if he thinks you're hot or your wife is hot, he might hang out longer. <laughs> he's the swinger-in-chief after all. But, you know, for loving the ladies, he's so respectful. He's not one of those he guys really is. that's he's, going to hit on your wife. He won't do that. No, he's a he's a total romantic. He Like he said it's, um, in the interview, which you'll hear, he waits to be approached with I thought was really cool. Yeah. He does not just jump in there and be like, Hey baby, he doesn't do that. He's not creepy at all. He's just awesome. Uh, we love Harry. He's a ballroom dancer. So, you know, Mallory's a fan. I am. (laughs) I am. Uh, but you know, he's also really, really smart business financial. Uh, he can talk about just about anything. He travels the world. He he alternates between Tokyo and Miami when he's not a Hito. Uh, dude's just, I mean, he's just, I mean, he's basically, you know, now that Hugh Hefner's not with us anymore, he's probably the next closest thing. Yeah, I have to agree. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's kind of where he's at. But generally speaking, uh, that's it. That's what we're doing, guys. We're going to release this on a Wednesday and come back to you guys next week with a recap of our trip to Hedonism 2, which is going to be fun. Uh, I think you guys will get a kick out of it and uh, throw in a little extra flavor there for some of the cool stuff that we got into because we did bring home a naughty story. So Yeah. Yeah, somebody was bad, but... Or very, very good. Oh, she... Okay, I heard she was good. I wasn't there. But we'll talk about that and a few other things in our recap next week. But this is releasing on a Wednesday. It is the last in that three-part series, and we'll go back to our regular cadence starting next Wednesday. Mallory, why don't you tell everybody uh, where they can find us, and we'll get out of here. Awesome sauce, guys. So we are Casual Swinger Everywhere. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, SLSSTCandCassidy.com. Be sure to check us out at casualswinger.com. And if you have any feedback, questions, or want to contact us, reach out at podcast at casualswinger.com. She is always better at that than I am. Hopefully by now you guys know where to find us and leave us a review if you get a chance at iTunes. We really, really love those reviews. And uh, we'll be back with Harry Lang for Living History of Hedonism 2. You're listening to Casual Swinger. Casual Swinger. <laughs> Something. You're listening to swingers who talk on a <laughs> microphone. <laughs> See you soon. <laughs>Welcome back, everybody, to Casual Swinger. I'm Mickey. I'm Mallory. And we have for you something we've looked forward to since the day we started this show. We have a special guest by the name of Harry Lang. Harry, how are you today? I'm pretty good. How are you doing, Mickey? Uh, Super. Uh, You know, we just got home from Hito where we got to see you. Mallory's a little sad. You guys didn't get to dance this time. I know. I missed that. Right. So next time, right? I don't know how we missed that. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Should, should have worked out. I just left uh, you know, a few days ago myself. But I'll be back again uh, tomorrow. <laughs> right. That's that's like your. Well, we all call it our home away from home, but it is legitimately your home away from home, right? Well, it's definitely my home. That's the place I spend ninety percent of my time. Oh, wow. Uh, well, we're going to get into that a little bit. So I want to remind our listeners. Uh, so we're, we talked about it a little bit in the intro, but. 
Mallory brought back a, uh, a good case of what we call the Hedo crud, which means we kiss and hug on everybody. So anybody that has anything, uh, but she it actually turned into bronchitis. So if you hear her coughing, forgive her. It's bad broadcaster etiquette, but she was not missing this interview no with chance. you, Harry. No chance. And I'll try to hide under the table. <laughs> so, Well, um, my recommendation is to be like me if you're there all the time. I guess I must have some immunity to these things, so I don't ever come home with anything. <laughs> <laughs> Go more often. That's the answer from the man right there. Go more so, often. That's the answer. I, yeah. I, I'll need that in a prescription, please. <laughs> So, um, you know, we've got a, a, a few questions here for you. And, you know, we, we, we try to keep these interviews to 45 minutes, but there's so many things we want to ask you. I mean, Harry Lang, financial legend, Magellan Fund, Fidelity, huge, right? You're a dancer, you're a business owner. And last of all, you're a swinger. So we want our listeners to know more about you. Uh, we're going to get into what you did and why you're so damn important to us. But tell us how you found yourself to become a guest at Hedonism 2 and, and what made it so important for you. Well, actually, it's kind of a funny story because I actually never had heard of Hedonism uh, 15 years ago. And an ex-girlfriend of mine uh, tricked me to go there. She thought because I was fidelity and so conservative, you know, business type person, that I would never agree. So she told me, let's go golfing in Montego Bay. And then she got me to go to Rick's Cafe. She knew the Hedonism boat would go by. And then she says, Hey, let's get a night pass. I mean, this thing. Later, I told her you wouldn't have had to trick me. I would have gone from day one. But <laughs> anyway, I found it through it. <laughs> I found it from an old girlfriend. No way. That's a great story. And I loved it. And I loved it right from the first moment. I said she wouldn't have had to trick me. I would have gone for it. And uh, ever since then, it would have been my favorite place in the world. That's so, funny. yeah. So it kind of fit like a glove for you then. Yeah, you know, I. Uh, well, that's for sure. I, 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 and our listeners know all about this, Harry, but I, I talked Mallory into it. I was like, look, I, I said, there's this place I go. And we were first dating, and I, I, I made the mistake of telling her, you'd make a great swinger. And she almost punched me in the face. And then, you know, I'm like, <laughs> I, go, I go to this place called Ninism too. I love it. It's, it's home for me. And I gave her Chris Santilli's book. And when she put it down, she said, when do we leave? Uh, and you know, it was home for her immediately too. I mean, it's so, and that's how I knew this is a girl for me. I better marry her quick. <laughs> but strange enough, it's considered a woman's world that, you know, something like 55% of the time, the, the first visit is arranged by the male in a couple. But then after that, by third on, it's actually more likely the woman it becomes really a woman's place. Sometimes men wonder what they, uh, they were asking for and begging for. <laughs> <laughs> that's true though. It's very empowering as a woman there. Like, I never feel better about myself, my environment, and life in general as I do when I'm there. And you said that repeatedly. I really do. I really like that. Well, I say like women rebel like 70% of the other world, but there's 100%. And I think it is empowering to women because maybe you're a very popular cheerleader in high school and college, and then maybe you've had a couple of kids or gained a couple of pounds, and you think you're not attractive. All of a sudden, you show And everybody is looking at you and wanting you. It really is, I think, empowering for women. And that's one of my favorite things about Hito in general is, you know, we get there and, and I look at this woman that I see every day and I think she's beautiful and I tell her she's beautiful and she believes me, right? But there's nothing better than, you know, 60, 80 men going, God, you're amazing. God, you're funny. God, you're beautiful. And, and it happens to all of them. Every woman I see, whether she works for the resort or whether she's, you know, somebody else's wife, my, my greeting to them is, hey, beautiful, how you doing today? Because that's how I see him, and I think you see him the same way, right? Yeah, and it is the same. And of course, the physical beauty, but the you know interior beauty too. Of a lot of people go to heal. They're just very open mind and friendly as anything. So you have an internal beauty besides the external beauty, and beauty can be all sizes and shapes and religions and everything. So it really is the most open place in the world, I think. Yeah, no politics allowed, right? <laughs> Oh, no, no politics. <laughs> so tell me, I mean, you traveled first with the fluffs. You you were a you were a fluffer at least at some point. And and how many times did you go before you know the opportunity availed itself? Because by the way, just so you remember, we this is the third part in a series we call a living history of hedonism too. So we've talked to Howard, who's been there a million times. We talked to John, who was part of the original ownership group, and had a million and one good things to say about you. I'm pretty sure he's uh, the founder of the Harry Lang fan club. Uh, but so what was your favorite part about Hito that made you a repeater and, and how long did you come before you decided I, I need to make sure this lives on and I'm going to, I'm going to invest to make sure it happens. 
It had gone, uh, I believe it was eight years. And then what was, with the Fluffernutters, I said the first three or four times only with the Fluffernutters because it happened to be also be my birthday. February 25th also always fell in the Fluffernutter week and I had a lot of good friends there. So I always went there and then later I expanded. So I think I was there a total of like 15 times over eight years. You know, the first initially is just one time a year for the Fluffernutters and pretty soon be a second time, third time. And you know, it's kind of a typical pattern for people. And it actually is only 15 times that the time decided to buy it, which made me actually a relative newcomer compared to a lot of people. Yeah, that's true. Wow. Well, you've since caught up. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I've caught up. Well, there are only a few people. Some few, there are a few people, including Howard, that's still been there more days than I have, I think. But I'm catching up really fast. <laughs> I was going to say, at this point, you're definitely on the fast track. So tell us about <laughs> that moment that you knew hedonism was uh, the right move for you, owning it. Well, I guess I would have always thought it was, but, and, and John Gross from Fluffner is the first one that brought it up. One time we were drunk in the pool and said, <laughs> Hey, let's buy this place. And I was just joking. Oh yeah, let's buy it. I had no idea who the owner was or management or anything. He did though. So yes, yes. The owner, what kind of price they'd want, you know, the people from, uh, uh John Easter from super clubs and mm-hmm. to that to get a full price thing. And there's no way I could afford it. And I couldn't, do something like that when I was still working at Fidelity, a conservative company. So we laughed it off. But then, I don't know, six months later, he came to me and he said, you know what? It really is for sale now. You know, at a, more of a bank kind of bargain price. And so I jumped at that. It turned out perfectly because I'd already retired from Fidelity and, and gotten my payout. So it really worked out. I never thought it was even possible. But any time in my whole life in the last 15 years, they said I could buy it, I would have. Just timing was perfect. Oh, that's awesome. Well, yeah, we're we're very grateful that happened because, you know, that was a critical point for the resort. I mean, it, it could have gone to just about anybody if it was up for sale in that in that fashion. And for all we know, it could have been another sandals or beaches, and then it would just have. Been- that's what I was bidding. Yes, yeah, sorry, I was bidding against sandals and Ritz Carlton and the Sunwing Airlines, one that built the Royalton and a couple others. But there's no other like lifestyle friendly. Bitter. I guess it was one that had zero cash on that. <laughs> no, really, but it had been torn down. It was just sold for the real estate. Right. Yeah, because the then, property yeah, that's itself I had is... To, I, I was not choosing to be my greatest investment in the world financially, but that's my passion. And if I didn't step in and buy it, it would have gone away for sure. So you just used a word that is so pivotal and critical in my world and my life is passion. Uh, I think that if you do something you're passionate about, and, and you put your heart into it, money will follow, right? Uh, and and sure. you, you probably knew, <laughs> you knew that, man, this may not be the best idea in the world, but you were so damn passionate about it, you felt like you had to do it. Um, and, and we've had a lot of conversations leading up to this interview, uh, which probably feels weird from your perspective because we went and, and learned about you. And we do this, don't, don't, you know, we're not creepers or anything. Uh, we maybe do this, a little. Maybe a little. <laughs> but we do this for anybody. Maybe a little, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know where we party. Uh, but, you know, we wanted to learn more about you from other people, how you were perceived, what people, you know, basically who you are from an outward perspective before we let you tell your story. And we talked to guests. We talked to partners of yours, employees. We did homework on the Internet because you are a public figure. And the overwhelming theme that came out of it uh, it was this massive improvement to employee morale and their love of working for you. Some quotes that I got from people that work for you that I'm not going to use their names so you can't go back and hug them and tell them how awesome they are because this was totally unsolicited. <laughs> Great boss, wonderful manager. We love Harry. Just a few of the things we heard. So I want to know about your management style and why the employees were the key in your turnaround strategy for Hedonism too. Because a lot of people would just go in and upgrade the facilities and go come get naked and talk to each other. But that's not what happens at Hedo. So why were they your key and what did you do to really do that? Well, just in eight years, I got to know a lot of them and really do feel almost like family to me. So I care about them. I don't treat them just like, uh, slaves or whatever, replaceable or anything like that. So I care about them, try to learn about their families. And then if they screw up, they're not going to get fired on the spot. You know, we give people second, third chances and compensation. I did raise that. And yeah, twice a year, I give a $100 cash bonus as a gift to them. You know, that plus just the fact, you know, you know, treat them like people, not like just numbers or whatever, just uh, paid staff and, 
And also the fact that I'm just around all the time. They can talk to me if they have some issue or some problem. They can talk to me. How often do you get to see the CEO owner of the company just hanging out all the time? So I think there are a lot of reasons that they really want to uh, work at Hedonism. That's that's awesome. And uh, just for our listeners, there was a little audio break up there. We're doing this over cellular, so these things happen sometimes. But what Harry said was that he does a $100 cash bonus twice a year for these guys around Christmas time. Is that right, Harry? Well, one time around Christmas time, one time in August before the school year starts, because our staff have to buy uh, uniforms for and, and pay a little bit of tuition for their kids at school. Yeah, that's true, because they don't have the benefit of uh, free public schooling uh, through, you know, the 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 entire leg of, you know, what we call traditional uh, school where you go kindergarten through, you know, 12th grade. Um, right. So they actually have to pay for tuition and uniforms and school supplies, and it's it's very expensive. And some of the groups make a big impact there too, right? Because they bring down school supplies and backpacks and things like that, not only for the employees, but for some of the residents of Jamaica. Is that correct? Oh, that's definitely true. Yeah. Because we have so many repeat guests and they all, they think of themselves as a also and part of the community. So, so bring down things. They come year after year. They bring down supplies, right, for our uh, staff and for the community. Some of them support the local schools and things like that. So, we really want to have a positive impact on, on the community. But one thing back on the staff that is so amazing now that, to be honest, they were actually pretty amazing even when the place is run down. I think their attitude and loyalty has even gone way further now, but they were actually really good to start with. There's no way I would have bought it if the staff wasn't good to start with. Love it. So as it sits now, you've already invested – you know, probably millions into this resort in an effort to like upgrade and repair the facilities, some of which that were probably needed at this point. Um, what do you think had the bigger impact at the resort uh, for the customer experience? Was it the investment in employee morale or the facilities or evenly spread? I'd have to say it's probably more evenly spread because the facilities were so bad that I think a lot of people wouldn't have come back, but I think it's the, uh, employee morale and the enthusiasm of the staff that really keeps them coming. So I think to retain them, I think I had to upgrade the facility, but the staff is what makes them come back. I have to agree with you. There's no better feeling than getting off that bus and walking up into the lobby and seeing, you know, five or six familiar faces and you're getting hugs and they remember your name. Oh, very much so. I mean, we got off the bus and, and I mean, granted, you know, I'm a pretty visible figure when I'm down there. Uh, it's hard to miss me, but <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, Michael saw me and we hadn't seen each other in like three or four days. Like he just wasn't there. And I'm talking about, uh, that he's in charge of bell services, uh, Michael. And right. he comes running up to me and he goes, when did you get here? And I was like, four days ago. And you didn't find me. And he gives me this giant bear hug. Harry, he lifted me off the ground. <laughs> And lifting me <laughs> off the ground is no small order. <laughs> okay, so, uh, but, so, I, so. The staff has amazing memory. Yeah, like, you probably saw, like, Eldon in the piano bar. Uh-huh. Oh, he yeah. remembers everybody's name and drink. It's unreal for years. There's one couple only have ever been to Hedonism one time, three years ago. And when they showed up this year, after not seeing them three years and only had seen them one time, he immediately knew their name and their drink. See, so I, I never cut it as a bartender. That's why I have to be owner and CEO. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I walked into the piano bar, and not only does Eldon remember my real name, but he remembers my name on the show. And so, and, and, and he's like, I'm not calling you by a fake name. And, and he comes around the bar and gives me a hug, and he had my drink in his hand. And I'm like... <laughs> yeah. I, I don't get it. I don't get it at all, how you do what you do. And, and uh, you know... I, I actually uh, I pissed off one of the bartenders because I, I got him in trouble because it was the piano bar and it was empty. We were setting up for cocktail hour and I walked around and just grabbed myself a drink because I was dying and uh, nobody was there. And his boss walked in with him. It wasn't Eldon. Um, it was it was another bartender. And he was mad at me for like two days. And he's like, you're lucky I like you. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know I got you in trouble. I said, I didn't think I was going to get caught, but I did. So you're not supposed to do that, guys. Don't, you know, let the employees do their job. That was bad on me. But so tell me something about these employees that we that we love so much. What's their average tenure like? And because I mean, we talk about people like Paulette or Michael or Donna, they've been there forever. Mm-hmm. Why do they stay so long? There are, there are a lot. Yeah, several have been there fifteen or twenty years. I'd say that average might be even uh, 
tenure kind of range, the tenure that entertainers are a little bit shorter because that's such hard work and you can't just do splits and headstands your whole life. I mean, so that's <laughs> right. quite often the, the entertainers uh, work for three years, maybe four years. And, and then they go on, they, they save up a lot of money because entertainers live on site. They earn a great salary so they can save up. And that's usually how they start a family or go to college or do a better life. So they're, they're shorter and that's kind of by design. But the other uh, staff, I'd probably guess it's probably 10 year average or more. Yeah, which is crazy. And so interesting note, um, and I've noticed this is this is new in my vision, and maybe it's by design, but I've seen a lot of ECs that have graduated into other roles in the resort, people like Adrian, people like Denise, mm-hmm. right? They've actually moved up in the organization to doing other things. Right, if, they're, if they don't have plans to go to college or go overseas or anything like that, then yes, we offer attractive career paths where they can go into you know, the front desk or special events, all these different things. So yeah, we do have our career paths for entertainers and other people to show real uh, the skills that we need. Right. What do you guys look for in an employee when somebody comes up and goes, I'm the guy, I'm the girl, I want to work at Hedonism too. What's What are the what are the features you look for in a person? <laughs> Probably the number one would have to be just a good smile, the enthusiasm, you know, eager to serve guests. That's way more important to us actually than work history. I worked at Sandals four years and somewhere else three years. That's not quite as important because we can train a lot of the skills, but you have to come in with really positive attitude, you know, a hard work, good work ethic that you'll uh, show up on time every day and, <laughs> and, and just be someone that'll be out there and the, the guests will love. I, lo- I love that question. Cause I, I, I automatically assumed we were talking about this on the plane that the prerequisite has to be their disposition and that, that kindness and that, that positivity that all the employees we run into just exude. It's like they glow with it. We give a lot of people the job for the first time who've never worked in the service industry at all. Wow. So there's more that enthusiasm and that spirit that really count more than number of years at something or other. I, I noticed some interns there for the first time. Uh, is that new to Hito? It's fairly new. Yes. That like people that, that we give a chance to that really don't have any prerequisites, anything. We're not sure that we, <laughs> maybe if they haven't worked even at all for a company. So we, we do have a few interns just for a test, you know, but in general, we can know from uh, the start. So interns fairly new and it's not going to be a major part of our hiring. Oh, okay. Well, I met a kid named Michael who tall kid, real skinny, very young, loved oh, him, yeah. loved him, loved him. Yeah. He was great. He was fantastic. Yeah. So. Someone to do like that, they'll be easy. It won't be intern for long. They'll be full time. <laughs> awesome. So something that I noticed this last trip, and I don't know why it, it never occurred to me that there's very few expats that live in Jamaica do you think that's changing uh, with some of the foreign foreign investments in uh, the island in Jamaica? And do you do you see this as a good thing? So a lot of the investment now is mostly coming from the Spanish and now from the Chinese. Chinese right. probably biggest and Spanish second. And they do bring in a lot of expats. We actually rather hire locals. You know, the unemployment rate is so high in Jamaica and jobs like ours are really precious premium jobs. Mm-hmm. So we'd rather stay in good uh, stead with the uh, government, say we're Jamaicans. So we actually have yeah, no <laughs> expats at all working at hedonism. Uh, the family, my sister and law and uh, brother work there, but that's just family. But in terms of outside, no, we're hundred percent Jamaican. I think that that does as well as the government. There are a lot of skills for Jamaicans. We really don't need expats to come in. So, yeah, by the time I took over, there were 260 staff, another 430. So I've had 170 net jobs, all for Jamaicans. Wow. That really keeps me in good with the government and community and everything. That is awesome. And Beautiful. That, 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 I mean, so that is probably the first part of the, the next question. That's going to be an answer to the next question because I wanted to know, as a manager, as a CEO, what do you think are the key investments you made? And I, I was going to say facilities, but... In hedonism, what are some of those key investments you made? And obviously, you know, uh, 170 people is is definitely a, a key investment. 
But what about, you know, in addition to those people and maybe management structure, what are some of the other investments you made, both facilities and in people? And are you willing to talk about any investments in the future you're thinking about? Well, we had talked about, right, investing in the staff for just giving new jobs and mm-hmm. higher salaries and also started a pension plan where now everybody has, you know, percentage of their income goes into a 100% fund, company-funded pension plan for them. So eventually when we retire or even quit or whatever, they have some money built up. But that's kind of rare in the, on the island. But in terms of just the facilities, one of the cheapest things I did, but people love is heating the swimming pool. <laughs> did that? Oh, I noticed. <laughs> I noticed a simple there, thing. Yeah, I noticed there were people in the pool in February at night. That has never happened and since I've been doing it 18 years. I've never seen people in February in the pool at night, at least not anybody that was sober. Right. <laughs> I think it's two years and two months ago that finally uh, yeah, he did the pool for the first time. That made a huge difference. So you can use it yeah, day and night. And I have a really good control over it now, too. I can go from 86 degrees when it's really hot outside to 90 degrees when it's colder outside. So, yeah, we can actually uh, fine-tune it as well. So, yeah, the heated pool has been a big plus. People like the rooms. We've now upgraded 100% of the rooms. And that's, that's a huge upgrade. If anyone knows the old days versus now, yeah, showers at work and have hot water and TV, yeah. phone, Wi-Fi, everything that didn't have any of that at the time I took over. So... I mean, we had TVs, but they didn't work very often. No, yeah, I, I, I don't think, well, if you're doing it right, you're not turning on the TV at Hito anyway, right, number one? Well, there are like no. five porn channels. Well, but there's a mirror over the ceiling. You should be making your own porn, which, I granted, those mirrors are still the funhouse mirrors from back in the day for some of those rooms, so they're hilarious, <laughs> but it's still sexy as hell to watch you put on your own show with whatever friends like, you make. Yeah, I like some of the old uh, mirrors on the thing, yeah, the, Sometimes I'd swear there wasn't a TV in my room except I bang my head on it. So that's the only time I noticed the TV. <laughs> You're right. There's no reason to watch TV there. No, there isn't. And I got to tell you, the, the upgrades to the rooms from a guest perspective, uh, not that you give a flying shit what I think, but I love them. I, I, uh, I took a picture of Mallory behind that frosted glass door with the oh, red with the light. Oh, with the red light? Oh, yeah. shit. That's a sexy picture. I'm going to post that for our listeners. Sometime or <laughs> I think that's the new. Oh, yeah. I got to post that. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the new must-do picks at Hito, I think, um, along with the the sign that's out on the dock. Oh, the sign and the bridge. Yeah. The sign, the bridge, and now the frosted glass picture because uh, – now that's a little off-brand for our images. Our listeners know that most of our pictures we post are black and white. Uh, it's kind of a thing we do. But this picture is so good, I think I'm going to have to post it off-brand because it's just really good. Oh, shucks. Yeah, but, well, there's a girl behind And all these, all these rooms, all these – all these room upgrades were done just by my brother, Richard, his wife, Diane, and myself. We had no outside uh, architects, no outside designers. So we did ourselves. My brother's one that came up with the red, eye, red light idea, and I thought that was pretty uh, brilliant. Oh, it's fantastic. And it really does light the room fairly well with a light you can use once your eyes get used to it. So you can leave it on, not bang your toes on your luggage, and you can also see who it is you are fucking, which is awesome. <laughs> So I, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. I look, and I tell you, that and the, the, <clears throat> go ahead. Well, that in the steam in the shower makes some pretty sexy, uh, sex scenes oh, with the steam and shower yeah. or the red light and things like that it makes a great silhouettes. And yeah, it's pretty hot. This is, this is why we have to talk to Harry because I didn't think of the steam. So now <laughs> we got to go back to Hito and do this like immediately. Uh, but you know, in the premium rooms, you guys have a really neat uh, backlit mirror on the ceiling, which is really cool too. Whose idea was that? Now this, uh, yeah, Dan, one of our guests does that. He does led lightings and things like that. So we did uh, do that. And by the way, in terms of the premium rooms, those were done, you know, four to four and a half years ago. So now relative to the regular rooms, they're a little more outdated. So that's what we're going to work on by next season. You'll see more premium in the premium rooms, but we'll keep that LED lighting behind the mirror. Yeah. That's Love it. super cool. Uh, I think Dan's a member of our group. Actually, we just saw him a couple days ago. So uh, pretty wicked. So let's get into, cause you know, this episode is called swinger in chief and you are one of the most fun dudes on the planet to party with. So let's talk lifestyle for a little bit. As a swinger-in-chief, the life of the party, and you do it all as a guest, right? When you and I saw each other just a couple of days ago, um, I walked up to you, and you were checking out, and I was shocked. And I shouldn't have been, because I know a lot of things about you, right? But you were paying your tab. You had a bill. And I'm like, 
holy shit, this guy owns the joint and he's paying his bill. Like, why do you pay your bill? And you're like, because I pay like everybody else. And then in my conversations, I found out you ride the bus to and from the, the resort, just like everybody else. You don't take a private car. You don't take Tim Air. And the room you have there is not a premium room. It's a regular room, just like everybody else. And I'm like, wow, that is how you CEO if you really want people to respect you. So tell us how you separate being the CEO and being a guest. And personally, why do you love being a guest there? Well, as you say, I do exactly the same thing as the guests. So, yeah, ride the bus, and I do take whatever best room is available. I don't keep the same room all the time. When I check out, I check out, check out my stuff, and I go back again and see whatever room, other room is available. So I do get to see a lot of different types of rooms. Sometimes they're premium, but usually not. And between being guests and CEO, the only thing is, well, as a swinger, being CEO, I get to feel – a little bit like Hugh Hefner, you know, so I get way more opportunities than <laughs> as a regular guest. But on the other hand, I have to be more careful because I can't afford to have someone write up in a comment card or a trip advisor that the uh, CEO owner was trying to hit on my wife inappropriately. So I have to be way more careful than I was. <laughs> I have to kind of wait to be approached rather than approaching people. But otherwise, I act the same as I was as a guest. Well, as a guest, is my favorite place in the world. Now I own the best playground. How come I can't play in the sandbox too? That's awesome. I love it. So since we brought up Lifestyle, how long have you been a part of it? I, was, I think it was about 15 years, something like that. Yeah, the, it, the woman who brought me uh, to Hito also took me to a fun for two in Amsterdam. So she kind of broke me in. <laughs> but I said I wasn't kicking and screaming. I was going to say, <laughs> you were holding hands, skipping along. <laughs> So in, in terms of lifestyle and your approach to the lifestyle, and I know, like you just said, it's changed. You kind of have to wait to be approached before you can really engage in those kind of conversations. And that makes perfect sense, right? It makes a, a ton of sense to me. Uh, you know, Mallory and I tell a, a story, you know, when they ask about the safety in Jamaica and things like that, that the only asshole we ever met at Hito was an American. Uh, and he was one that was claiming to be the owner of the resort when we met him. And we oh, yeah. knew damn well he wasn't because we knew John and we knew who you were and, and we're like, yeah, you're not that guy. So that, that was not awesome. But, uh, you know, in our conversations, as I was asking about Harry Lang, the swinger, and Harry Lang, the, uh, you know, the, the lifestyler, this theme came out. And the theme was that Harry's a hopeless romantic. And a quote that, that somebody gave to me is, a lady in Harry's life feels like the most special girl in the world. So is that the secret to your success in the lifestyle? And what else do you think a guy has to do to find a little lovin'? <laughs> I think that is a big part of it. Yeah. And it, at the moment it is, I convinced myself that she is the only thing in my life at that time. And she's the most beautiful object I've ever seen. So I like to uh, kiss her, caress her, dance with her and make her feel special because I feel special being with her. So that's why I've always operated. And I don't know, I guess women like it. <laughs> women women love it I, I will tell you that they have a, a undivided attention to be cared for and 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 shown um that much love especially in a short amount of time because everything's kind of heightened especially when you're at hito and it, it's it's amped up so yeah well it's paradise it. for it's, add too right so you're like ooh squirrel ooh squirrel and <laughs> but when you can give somebody your undivided attention the way you do it's got to make them feel like a million dollars I'd like to do it slower and easier. I'd, I mean, preference way is yeah, like dancing with them out in the pool, and then maybe at night in the, you know, on the, on the floor in front of the stage, and yeah, just yeah, talk to them, kiss them gently. No, that really is my style, and I don't. It wouldn't matter if that worked better or not. That's my style. <laughs> I love it. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. So, I mean, being being in this environment and being in the lifestyle. Do you think couples actually have an easier time breaking through the barriers um, at Hito? And do you have any advice on how to knock them down? I'm not sure the last, this is the last part, how to, Oops. but the first part, I'll answer that first is that I think that it is the easiest environment to, if you're a swinger to, and you want to do like a full swap, it's probably the best environment ever because during the daytime in the pool, people are all naked partying and, and then you can start touching or kissing a little bit and stuff, and that might lead to you know, something later. As a contrast, I was on a swinger cruise, and there's a Hito couple, and then there's a German couple. And it, 
on a cruise, you're not allowed to touch. And you're not even allowed to be naked that often. So they were talking about lifestyle and how many years they've been in it. And the Ahito couple invited the German couple back to the room, like 11 a.m. And they had the candles and the lube and the music all set for you know a little swinger action. And the German couple came in with backpacks. They thought they were going to go out to the excursion that day. So oh my God. a lot more. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that, that wouldn't happen at Hedo because you can kind of test the waters. You know, so the best way is if you really want to hook up with a couple and swing her <laughs> as a full. The woman kind of approaches the other woman and you know, maybe kisses or touches a little bit. If that's going well and they get response and possibly they touch the other men a little bit and just see how it goes. But you can test the waters. So it's easy hook up full swingers when you're in a you kind of test to see if it's going the right way rather than just hey do you want to come back to a room and you don't really know enough you know what other people turns them on or anything about that so i think it's actually the easiest environment to for a couple to uh, these swingers so and that's those are certainly you know those are uh, social barriers, which, I mean, that's hilarious for starters. I'm going to remember that story for a while. But uh, there's, you know, there's physical barriers if you think about it, too. When you go to a swing club, you've got, uh, let's say you get there at 9 p.m., the place closes at 3 a.m. You've got a definitive period to meet people, get to know them, decide. And, well, and first of all, if you want to see them naked, which at Hito you already have, right? So there's a definitive. You've got some time barriers. You've got social barriers. You've got physical barriers. Hito overcomes all of those, I think, right? Right, because I go to swinger clubs with some now. It's funny, I went to Hito before I ever been to a swinger club, so now I'm kind of backfilling by going to some. But you're right, it opens at 9, but people don't get there till 10 or 11, and they're dancing and talking till 12 or 1. It's getting near the end of the time, so invite people back. And if they do end up hooking up, it's kind of, you don't even get to know them. I don't get to my romantic move at all. It's just, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's yeah. like shit or get off the pot. It's, it's, that's it's, a, it's a quick, this is just a quick physical action. If it does hook up in general, I mean, but there are other cases I'm sure too. Yeah. It's just not as much fun. So, um, let's talk about nerves for a minute. Uh, I think nerves play a huge part. We, we did an episode recently and we've talked about it a bunch because it was hit such a chord with our listeners, but fear, uncertainty and doubt, which nerves play into that. So, you know, do nerves play a factor for you, number one? And how do you think couples can deal with their nerves, whether they're nerves about going to Hedo, even if they're not lifestyle, right? Because not everybody goes to Hedo's lifestyle. And and how do they conquer those jitters? Actually, well, I guess one of the things people have to know is that it's not all swingers. We're talking about just the swing. Overall, we figure out, just through a lot of observation, that maybe one-third of the guests there are real hardcore swingers. If they don't hook up with another couple or single or something to be disappointed, then they're about one third that would consider it the right situation or they're you know, maybe like light, possibly a soft swap or touching or kissing kind of thing. And then they're one third that really don't participate in that at all. They just like the environment. They like to, that sexually the shows and maybe a little bit exhibitionist or uh, things like that. But yeah, so one third won't swing under any circumstances that's kind of on the average you know some months are more some weeks are more or less but overall that's i figured after seeing tens of thousands of guests how i'd how i'd break it down so people shouldn't really be nervous you don't even have to be naked you can show up on the clothing optional side the whole week you don't have to be naked with anyone you don't have to kiss anyone you don't have to touch anyone so how i tell couples to do is that before you go you should make a little some rules you have a little bit of what this is going to be okay. This is not okay. This is kind of my fancy. This is my limits. And you stick with that for the first couple of days. You don't get overly drunk and violate those rules. And then again, a couple of days, revise it. You know, maybe you want to be more restricted. Maybe you want to be more open. Maybe you have new fantasies, things like that. So a couple working at it together can really make it work out, whether they want to be swingers, don't want to be swingers, just like to see the lifestyle. But it's not scary at all. It, People worry about being scared, scared that they're going to be big orgies or forced to do stuff. And once they get there, they'll see this is probably the easiest, most non-threatening environment you'll ever see. I can attest to that because I actually feel like going to a regular bar as a as a girl, if I show up alone, that there's a lot more unwanted interaction in an environment like that than at swing clubs or, or at Hito. At Hito, it's, I, I feel safer than I do anywhere else in the world. 
Right, and hedonism, like I said, there are a lot of swingers, maybe a third of three, like me, that really you know, want to swing, but we have plenty of other people to swing with. We don't need to try to pressure somebody that's not into it or oh, not sure, you know, so yeah, there is, <laughs> so there really isn't any pressure. Love it. So, I mean, you've been going uh, to hedonism over 15 years. You own it. Do you have any advice for our listeners that are considering to go, um, how to pick their week, you know, or, you know, the time of year and the, and the, the vibe? Yeah, which is always the toughest one because that's the number one question I get from newcomers. Is what's the best week to go? But on our website, you know, www.hedonism.com, if you look under events, you can see all coming in. If you click on them, they'll tell a little bit more about what they're like. Mm-hmm. Is there, you know, for uh, young people, there's young swingers where their average age is 32, which are up to, uh, you know, bubbly bears, uh, butt cracks. Fluffernards are probably the older groups, average age is over 50. Overall, the average age is around 48. But if you look on the site, you get a little bit of idea. If it's younger, if it's more swinger. And not only at hedonism, a lot of places, January is considered a swinger month. So a lot higher percentage in January. Mm-hmm. And it's you know, hedonism is busier from uh, kind of Halloween until middle of May. So it's going to be pretty much 100% full all the time. So if you well, you go during the season. If you want a little bit quieter, then May, June, August, September are the months probably to go because it won't be 100% full, won't be party all day. And you can maybe, if you want to explore things in a little quieter environment, those will be months to go. But you look at the individual uh, events and uh, they click on the groups and they'll tell a little bit about themselves. Of course, they'll never say that they are boring or old or something like that, right? They have to take everything with a grain of salt, but they'll give a little bit of idea of what things that they're uh, into love it that's that's a a great way to describe it and you know you alluded you know to you know obviously the the different age ranges for the groups and i think different groups do bring a different flavor to the resort right i mean when we talk about ysw young swingers week uh you know that's that's a little more hardcore but with younger people you're gonna have a little more drama it happens Uh, with your older people it's going to be a little more subdued uh, you've got guys like the Dirty Pervs who throw an insane party, uh, right? You've got the group that, that we travel with, Rachel's Rascals, who we throw a pretty good party too, I'd like to think. Um, but we're not only lifestyle, right? I mean, that's just, so it's, it's what are you really looking for? Do you want lifestyle? Do you want a party? Do you want subdued? Do you, when do you want to go? Right? The first question I always ask people is, when do you want to go? Because that's the first thing I need to know. When are you free? When do you have somebody to watch your kids? Right. And then we go from there. Are you lifestyle? Or are you not? Right. I mean, it's like a checklist and, and I can almost, you know, right, it is. and then even if you have a good certain month, you can go each week will be quite a lot different. And like you said, yeah, yeah Rachel Rascal's dirty purse. So pretty amazing parties that do fluffiness or a few groups that do that. And then there's like wild women vacations, which sounds like wild women vacation, but it is a little bit more woman, woman, a little bit more new to the lifestyle kind of group. So the other big, uh, big variety to go there for sure. But yeah, you're right. A checklist is pretty good because almost everyone I talk to the first time says, what's the best week to go? But <laughs> there's no way you answer until you really understand the couple a lot better. Yeah. It's the number one question we get too, uh, whether it be on Reddit or on our Twitter page or whatever. Uh, you know, we get a lot of questions about Hito because we talk about Hito a lot. We go there a lot, right? We're there three, four times a year. So uh, we get a lot of questions about the resort and that's the number one question we get as well. So you're not alone. <laughs> Feel better. Uh, but you know, when, when we talk about Hedo, um, it said so frequently that without the people, it, Hedo would be buildings on a beach and there, but in, in, even in the conversations with some of your employees leading up to this, there was a theme and the theme was there's a magic to this place and we don't get it. We don't know what it is, but there's a magic to this place that relationships that are made on the beaches of Hedo or in the pool or wherever else. They seem so much more real, so visceral, and they last lifetimes. I mean, Mallory and I have met people at Hedo that uh, will be friends no matter where we meet, when we meet, if it's years before we see them again, uh, that it's some of the most powerful friendships of our lifetime. What do you think it is as the CEO and the swinger-in-chief that makes Hedo so damn special? I know it really is a... uh... A magical place. Like I said people make lifetime friends, and if you ask a lot of the people at Hedonism, their best friends in the world now are ones they met there. And there are a lot of reunions around the country. The biggest one is August every year, 
I guess it's Gunnison Beach. You call it a Sandy Hook in uh, New Jersey, where I think like 500 people show up. So just hedonism too. Also, that people travel to each other. I've traveled to visit a lot of different guests in front. You're very common, so you do become lifetime friends. If you do have anything, if open-minded and whether nudist, swinger, whatever, it's really amazing to have people with the same kind of interests. So I think it's kind of natural we become friends. But and it's so funny, a lot of people wouldn't get it if you haven't been, or well, even naked, not just at Hedo, but any of these places that. You talk to each other. You'd think that when you're naked, you'd be kind of covering up or quiet. But they just walk by a place like Sandals and something where couples don't even talk to each other. At Hito, very first time, I'll bet you'll talk to 50, 100 people in your first couple of days. Oh, easily. Yeah, and, naked and... somehow opens it up. Yeah, really, uh, it throws off all the barriers. Because normally in society, you know, we have kind of a class system, right? If you got Chanel purse or something, and but it, but Hito. When you're naked, you don't, you have to throw all those things off. And we've got truck drivers, circuit court judges, whatever. Everyone's the same. Yep. And that's really the magic about it. Everyone's equal. And you can make real friends that way. You don't feel, oh, this is upper class or lower class or whatever. You'd feel that a lot of other are just normal. That's <laughs> your yeah. normal. Yeah. <laughs> I think keto's normal. <laughs> Vanilla world, I guess. Everyone's equal, my ass. I've seen some of the dicks around that pool. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, in general, I couldn't agree more. We, we say it all the time. Like, it, it, it is the great equalizer, and you don't know till you go. I should probably make two corrections from so far what I said is that you know, some of the big parties out, you know, uh, uh, Carly and Mark from Topless Travel, they make one of the best parties also. You know, I shouldn't leave them out. They come several times a year. And then next time at Hedo, I meant compared to where I am in Miami. But overall, it'd be 45 to 50% of the total year. So the 90% was inaccurate if I meant 90% of the whole year. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody's holding you to that. And, uh, you know, it's funny. We have... Uh, okay, this well, is, just said it. Yeah. <laughs> this is the third one in the series. And in the first two episodes of the series, Carly and Mark came up both times. So yep, they, can, they know we love them. Yeah, definitely. And we get to see them, actually, because they do events down here by us at a club called Secrets. So about once a month, once every other month, we actually get to run into them. I don't know if you know, but I actually own two units of Secret Sideway myself. Do you really? Nice. No, I didn't know My that. My picture's on there. Yeah, check it out. It's a Hedo Harry units 143, 144, right by the pool. It's a good spot. All right. <laughs> All right next time I'm there, I'm putting booby prints on your window. Uh, we'll have to rent that room now. <laughs> this is Harry's joint. <laughs> we'll give him some more money. We don't give him enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this so much. Um, and, I, and going back to what you said, I couldn't agree more about the friendships and, and the people you meet there because we're leaving on Friday to go to a rascal wedding with a couple we met three years ago on a trip. And I mean, it's, oh, it, yeah. yeah, they're some of our closest friends. I held the fucking ring, so now I have to go to their wedding in Iowa. It's negative 25 uh, yeah. right now. <laughs> Got to be um, friends in the warm places. <laughs> right? 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 So... Can you talk about what's next for for the Hedonism brand um, and or give us any insight on, you know, if there's going to be additional upgrades or expansions and if you're considering, you know, maybe looking into other resorts? The first thing, just on the things we're doing next, it'll be visible to everybody would be upgrading all the, the 36, the prior uh, premium rooms. Those will all be upgraded by next season. A lot of the other things we'll do will be a little bit behind the scenes. We're going to upgrade the kitchen, the electrical system. Then we're going to do a lot more uh, fun stuff. I don't know. But one of the things was almost completed doing the old uh, squash courts were then called the social room. Now it's the Kama Sutra Palace. So it's a very romantic place and there'll be Tantra classes in there and yoga and all the groups will be available to use it for whatever type of things they want, everything from BDSM or whatever it is. But that's going to be a really cool place now. And that's going to be ready in the next month or so. We'll always keep working on stuff. In terms of the brand, I do own it worldwide. And it's kind of bad to have that famous of brand that people around the world have all heard of and only have the one facility. But for me, this is enough. But my daughter will take over if something ever happens to me. And maybe if I'm still around, if she's a medical doctor, emergency medicine, and she's lifestyler for at least 11 years. And she comes for Young Swingers Week and she'll be again here in a couple of weeks. And so, uh, She'll take over. So we'll be more up to her, the next generation. Do we want to have more hedonism resorts or maybe 
have some nightclubs around the U.S. or something like that. So I'm pretty sure we'll do something, but I want the next generation to decide, not me. That is super cool. I love that. You know, some you know, and we didn't cover this here. We covered this in some of the other episodes, but you have made some some massive upgrades. And I think that one of my favorite thing about the upgrades is that they're a little more sex forward, right? I mean, things like the playroom, uh, which Mallory and I visited uh, while we were there. Oh yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know the, the the bondage room, which now I'm shopping for a bondage horse which I never thought I would have in my house, but, or a spanking horse. And I need to buy one of those damn things. Thank you, Harry. Uh, but, and you know, other, you know, central type things like more play areas. And, uh, I think they're talking about a play area for the disco last I heard, but you, you really have made play a part of the hedonism experience. If you want it to be, it's not in your face, right? It's not like right there, like here's our sex room. Uh, but I think that's really, really neat. Um, there's construction going on. That's yeah, so, yeah, so Go ahead. Oh, all the time. Yeah, we're, we're the big construction is pretty much over. But yeah, little things like that. That yeah, we have a playroom, of course, open every night except for a lot, which is the back of the spa, which is really nice. It's open air on one side, and like you say, a little bit of yeah, cross and a couple love swing and things like that on the on the. Now we also have a twenty four seven little playroom behind the hot tub. That brown building. If you got a chance to check that out. I did. It's got uh, <laughs> yeah, sheets, towels. Yeah, we heard towels. some yeah, check that out too. Yeah, that's that's all the time. And and then uh, this new Kama Sutra Palace will be a playroom. It could be alternate when it's raining, but it might actually open it every night or even afternoon too. I'm not sure yet how that will work out. But we're going to make sure that if you have the urge, you don't have to really wait to go to a playroom. That Sometimes people come back after like a cameraman ride and they're really worked up. And we have places you can... Uh, you don't have to wait till ten thirty or eleven or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that uh, also because when we talk about play, if you want to go somewhere and maybe you want it to be safer, right? Because maybe you don't know this person that well. When we talk about the safety of women, if they maybe they want to do a hot wife thing, right? And they want to take a guy back, and they don't want to take him to their room. Where do they take them? And that playrooms are great for that because you have attendance in those playrooms. There's there's a person there that isn't you know part of things. Um, which that person also enforces the rules, like you have to be naked and you, uh, you know, you can't bring in a cell phone and, and things like that. So there's a lot of really great things that you guys are doing that that I call sex forward, and I love that. And another thing, go ahead. Well, another thing, of course, if you notice in that playroom is that we have one huge mattress in the middle. But you go in there, that means it doesn't mean you're necessarily going to play with someone else. So you could think about. It. And then we also have the little matches around the edge, which means if you definitely don't want to play with somebody, you go in one of those. So yeah. it, it's easier with the big one in the middle. I like that because there could be other couples on it. And as long as you have a safe distance away, it's safe to jump on too. But they also have the little individual mattresses for couples who just want to be by themselves. Exactly. Of course, they could change their mind and jump on the big one too. Exactly. <laughs> it creates the environment to, you know, group, you know, be in a group environment and the consideration of whether you want to include or be watched or watch. Right. And if you would like to be bit on the ass by a Jamaican mosquito under the stars, that is a great place to do it. <laughs> uh, I, I'd say there was some you of the spray. There aren't that many mosquitoes. I guess you get occasionally. <laughs> yeah, it's not too bad. You guys no, are not this that. trip. No, it's been it was great. And that was a great place to, to have sex under the stars and really central with the waterfalls and the pools. And uh, just it's it's super cool. Everybody knows we love Hedo. But more importantly, uh, you know, we love what you've done. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you from our show. Thank you from our listeners. Thank you for making time, right? I mean, we know how busy you are. We tried to track you down all week. (laughs) (laughs) Now now I'm in Miami, I have a little more time, right? When I'm there, it's a little bit more hectic. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. But Harry, thank you. Business stuff or play dates or whatever. Yeah, I'm pretty busy when I'm at Hedo, that's for sure. (laughs) Yeah, there's no question about it. We can't wait to see you again. And we hope you had a great birthday last week at Hedo. Yep. And, I wanted uh, more low key this time. Sometimes it gets out of hand, but I, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it gets out of hand. Yeah, I think on your birthday you came by our table and you're like, "I'm looking for." I think there's four women in my room right now. <laughs> oh no, it's only three. The number keeps going up. 
<laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Swinger in Chief. This is our interview with Harry Lang, CEO, owner, and president of Hedonism Resorts. So hopefully this has been fun for you. And uh, if we missed any of your questions, reach out to us. We'll get them to Harry and hopefully get some of your questions answered from the man himself. Harry, thank you very much. Mallory, why don't you take us out, tell people where they can find us. All right, guys, we are Casual Swinger everywhere. That means Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, SLS, SCC, and Cassidy. And please send your questions, feedback, and comments to podcast at casualswinger.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back right after this. You've been listening to Casual Swinger. Hey guys, you're listening to Casual Swinger and I'm Mallory. And I'm still Mickey. I'm a little less tongue-tied than when we <laughs> went into that interview. but I'm glad there was a little quid pro quo there because the episode before that I stumbled. Oh, I still have that blooper reel and I will release it one of these days. <laughs> we'll do a blooper reel, like we'll just intro or something one time. Yeah. So we hope you all enjoyed that conversation we had with Harry Lang. Um, great gentleman. Literally saved Hito. He's constantly investing in the property and the people and we were just so lucky to have him on. Uh, I love that episode. I, I love that interview. I've been waiting to sit down and talk shop with Harry for a long time now and to be able to grab him and catch his attention. Of course, we had to do it on a Sunday because he's so busy, but right, uh, just a great guy. And of course, he's going right back to Hedo tomorrow. Yeah, lucky man. I, I, well, when you buy your own playground, though, I right. mean, come on. You buy, buy your own playground, the sliding board is yours anytime you want to use exactly. it. So, or the swing set or whatever the fuck you want to call it. But I don't think I said fuck the whole episode, so fuck it. <laughs> but, you know, we're we're going to be back uh, next Wednesday and we're going to talk a recap of this Hedo trip uh, without getting too crazy, but it's actually a really cool episode because we did have some fun. Mallory had some fun. I had a lot of fun. Um, met a lot of interesting folks, a right. lot of interesting dynamics. We hung out with the triads. We so did. It's going to be kind of fun. Yeah. And uh, so a lot of, a lot of good stuff to talk about next week in a, the recap of the Brasco wedding that we have. Oh, and how many squirters can you fit under one roof? I don't know, but I think I need to bring my goggles and a snorkel. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to bring a wetsuit. It's going to get <laughs> ugly. It's going to get ugly quick. We got 15 rascals in a house. A bunch of them are lifestyle. We're all spending the weekend together. I have no idea what's going to happen. And it's going to be colder than shit, so we'll all be trapped in this house. Yeah, we're not fucking leaving. It's no. snowing all the way there, snowing all the way back to the airport. Hopefully and- the heat works so we could all be naked. Oh, well, I just want you to be naked. I've been telling you all day that I'm going to jump that ass. So this is coming. But guys, this has uh, been a really good time. We hope you've enjoyed it, too. We're already past our hour. So I will uh, let Mallory take us out here. But folks, I hope you enjoyed it. This has been a living history of hedonism, too. Mallory, what do you got? All right. So guys, look us up. We're Casual Swinger everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, SLS, STC, and Cassidy. Check out our website, casualswinger.com. And send us your feedback, your uh, questions, and your love to podcast at casualswinger.com. And don't forget, if you're generous enough to leave us a review on iTunes, we'd greatly appreciate it. Yeah, she loves your love. I've seen her do it. Guys, thanks a lot. You've been listening to Casual Swinger. Casual Swinger.